And we're back. Welcome to episode 11 of the Try Hard Fantasy Football Podcast. Today, we will recap week two games in the NFL. I am your gracious host, Stephen, and with me is I lost to Stephen in season long and DFS this week, Brian. Explain yourself, Brian. Well, season long, just having a rough go of it. You know, I had Christian McCaffrey, and he didn't hurt me this week, obviously. Still got 24 points, but... My team's going to be hurting without him. And DFS was a struggle. I made a late swap that cost me about 70 points on DraftKings in my cash lineup. So just about the nut low as far as late swaps go. And that's why I need to remember, do not tinker with my lineups after 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Good call. Good call. I think tinkering, that's a... That's like something you do when you're playing poker too, right? As if if you have if you you were tilting, you were tilting, right? Or you tilted yourself? I don't know. I was trying to make a point. I reference. I definitely tilted myself, but um I don't know if you really tinker in poker, but I I'd say I went with instead of going with my carefully laid out strategy that I had actually thought over the exact question, which was basically uh, go with Logan Thomas and then uh, Devonte Adams and some punt plays at wide receiver. Do I go with Jordan Reed at tight end, who is quite a bit cheaper, and then fit in Calvin Ridley and Mike Evans? I was with the Ridley Evans Reed stack all the way up until I saw some tweets calling into question the amount of plays Reed would see, which those were correct. But Evans and Ridley blew up, as did Reed, but he kind of got lucky, and. Evans and Ridley certainly outperformed Devonta Adams and my punt wide receivers, and that's what really crushed me this week. So I've got to learn not to do that. But lesson learned: it's on to week three as far as DFS goes. Even though let's for right now we got to recap week two. All right, so let's do it. About. Um, so to do a little bit of make it a little bit more interesting, we both chose a game of the week uh, that we wanted to recap for fantasy purposes and. Uh, talking about the the impact it has on fantasy both the last week and in the future. And Brian, should we do you want to go first or should I? Let's start with yours. I, I right. kind of segued into it already with my DFS decisions. Yeah. So I chose my game of the week was the Buccaneers at the Panthers. And I think everyone knows I am a Panthers believer. I'm a believer in the Panthers. And it did this week did not disappoint me at all. The Buccaneers are a solid defense, and the most promising stat of this, the most promising stat, um, I'll go through all the stats, but my most promising stat from this was Teddy Bridgewater threw for 367 yards. I do not care if, if he throws zero touchdowns every week. If he throws for 367 yards, he is a very accurate thrower of the ball, and that means lots and lots of catches for everybody. And that, that's what we got. DJ Moore got uh, eight, 13 targets, 8 catches for 120 yards. Robbie Anderson on 10 targets got 9 catches for 109 yards. Christian McCaffrey ended up getting 4 catches for 29 yards and uh, 18 rushes for 59 yards and 2 touchdowns before he got hurt. Um, but I love the Panthers this year, especially since I was able to get Robbie Anderson, and now he will probably be in my lineup every week. But on the other side... The uh, Buccaneers, Brady throws for a measly 217 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Now, of those 217 yards, 104 of them 
went to Mike Evans. That's a little bit concerning for me, considering Godwin is out. And with concussions, they, players usually try to rush back uh, a little too early. So we could probably see him next week. I, I, I haven't heard the actual, uh, if there's any update As on of him. this morning, he's been declared uh, uh, that he passed the concussion protocol. So he's practicing and he'll be active in week three. Barring a uh, recurrence of symptoms, of course. Another concerning stat is that uh, Leonard Fournette, who I, I will talk about in a second, but he also got four catches for 13 yards. That 13 yards is, is small, but the amount of catches is pretty pretty significant, four catches. So, uh, so when we see Godwin come back, you can't just ignore him. He's going to take away from both of those, and I have some concerns moving forward with, with Evans. Not as much for Fournette. I think what we saw in this game, even though that Fournette got that one long run, I think what we saw in this game is is basically kind of like what we saw in the um, uh, when Brady played for the Patriots, is that they can effectively run the ball with anyone simply because uh, Brady often plays so quickly. And he'll he'll audible into the right into the right call into the right plays and Fournette and Ronald Jones both, I mean Ronald Jones did, I mean he got seven for twenty three and one touchdown he got the touchdown to save him but I think this really helps Fournette a lot and I'm maybe trying to pick him up in a season long Brian don't don't ruin this for me um, uh, if I have waiver priority over you I've get, I'm getting Fournette. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Here's, here's what I'd say is most promising for Leonard Fournette and most concerning for Rojo is that Ronald Jones got just about every touch for a Buccaneers running back in the first half, right up until he had a mix-up with a handoff from Brady causing a fumble, and I don't think Ronald Jones saw the ball again the whole game. We talked about this in the preseason, or at least I did, that who plays in the Buccaneers backfield and you know who their third wide receiver is everything is totally dependent on who Tom Brady trusts and likes being out there if Tom Brady no longer trusts Ronald Jones he's done and Leonard Fournette is the guy I don't know that I'm ready to say that with 100% certainty after one week and one half of Fournette being good but Leonard Fournette's not a terrible NFL running back he's just average and Ronald Jones is probably the same thing so if Fournette is Brady's favorite. I think he can take over this role and excel, and that's why I'm most highest on him. Even like his, his stat line of 103 yards rushing, two touchdowns is great, but that's not even the best part of why people are should be picking him up this week. I I think that Fournette for a lot of in a lot of leagues went undrafted. Um, getting out of him half of what he what he uh, gave last week would be good enough picking him up on the waiver wire. I would be happy to see 12 yard, I mean 12 carries, 12 to 16 carries um, between what 40 and 80 yards, one touchdown, four catches for 20 to 25 yards. Like I'd be happy to see that every week. Yeah, I, I mean, I think at, at this point, if you drafted him when he was still on the Jaguars and the presumed number one and you took him in the second, third round, you're probably not getting value on him no matter what. But if you drafted after his release and took him in the five to, you know, rounds five through eight or maybe even later, 
or picked him off the waiver wire, you're happy with him just as a flex play, getting you 80 total yards a week, a couple catches, and, and maybe a touchdown every other game. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think he's going to be a valuable fantasy piece for the rest of the year, if not more than that. Like I said, he if if Tom Brady really doesn't trust Ronald Jones going forward, Fournette could be a huge value going forward. Going you know, also, uh, also McCaffrey's backup, uh, Davis, right? Yep, Mike Davis, former Bear Mike Davis. I didn't watch him play, but he had a good stat line, and I think that uh, assuming I'm assuming he has learned the offense, and that's why he was able to fit in into the plays that Mr. Christian McCaffrey played. And I'm thinking it's just a good offense for a running back, and I like him this week. Not quite as much as Fournette, but uh, I like him as a top waiver wire pickup for sure. Yeah, I definitely do. I don't think. He is your number one waiver wire pickup if you are a McCaffrey owner and just need a guy for the duration of McCaffrey's uh, McCaffrey's injury. But if you lost Barkley or if you're a struggling team and you just need depth or you just need running backs for whatever reason, I might prefer someone else who's going to get the job for the rest of the year. You know, maybe one of the whichever Giants running back you end on, and we'll talk about those options later. But I think Mike Davis is certainly good enough to succeed in this role. Um, as you said, Bridgewater's accurate, but he also throws very short passes, and that's why a lot of them go to running backs. And Davis is kind of the epitome of why running backs are undervalued in the NFL. Well, aren't valued highly, I should say. I don't know that they're undervalued. They're probably valued correctly. But Davis is one of the reasons why, is he's a perfectly capable NFL running back. He's just not a superstar. He's not Christian McCaffrey, but he can replicate – 75% of the production with the same touches maybe. And and that's going to be good enough to be a very valuable fantasy asset for however many weeks he has the job. Okay, let's move on to uh, your game with, uh, can, can I just say, you have the new superstar uh, to go over, Josh Jacobs. He now has seven of his 60 catches on the year, only 53 more to go. He is on pace. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I mean, he really is. Uh, but, yeah, I, I want to talk about the Raiders and the Saints, and not just because it was the Monday night game, not just because it was a huge upset with the Raiders uh, beating the Saints 34-24, but because I think there's a lot of fantasy impact from this game. Uh, starting with Josh, Josh Jacobs, who you said. I mean, he was drafted in the first or second round of almost every league. He was He's a plug-and-play starter, but he got 27 touches, or excuse me, 27 carries again this game. I think he had 25 in week one, which is just a monstrous number. That's Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott level of carries, and he got four catches in week one, three catches in this game. That passing work volume, while it's not huge, it's not McCaffrey-esque, it's not on Saquon Barkley's level, it's on Alvin Kamara's level, it's good enough that if if I if you could have promised me that Josh Jacobs would get three, four catches every game, he would have been a top five pick probably in fantasy leagues. Or he would have been right there in that conversation with Alvin Kamara and Delvin Cook. That's how valuable those catches are in a PPR league, especially with that rushing volume. So he's obviously huge. Uh, the other big guy here who's already rostered and, and loved, but I want to talk about is Darren Waller. Got 12 catches, a ridiculous 12 catches for 103 yards and a touchdown. And all I have to say here is I'm really kicking myself for not ranking him higher in the preseason, not having the cojones to go against the conventional wisdom and putting him ahead of 
uh, Zach Ertz and Mark Andrews. But I certainly think he belongs there now. He might even be ahead of George Kittle if we were ranking the rest of the season today just because Kittle's dealing with an injury and that may hamper him for a few weeks. Not to mention all the other injuries the 49ers are dealing with on offense and defense. But Darren Waller's just a fantasy monster and should be a week-in and week-out star for his teams. Derek Carr also had a really nice game, 282 yards passing, three touchdowns, was the better quarterback both for fantasy and real life in this game. And that's where I want to start with the Saints is Drew Brees, I think, really struggled this game. I think that's fair to say. I do think he ended up creeping just over 300 yards, had a touchdown, also had a pick, and just didn't look like himself. He wasn't as sharp as he's been historically getting the ball out super fast and on target. He was a little slower to get the ball out, took some more pressure, and his throws were missing more than you've probably seen in a long, long time with him. And he managed to get, you know, Alvin Kamara, his star, a good game. Kamara had like 38 fantasy points, 79 yards rushing and two touchdowns, and nine catches for 95 yards. Just a crazy day for him. But that actually concerns me for the Saints offense going forward, at least for anyone not named Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas, is that it looks like as Drew Brees is getting older, he's relying more and more on his playmakers to do all the work and just going on his first read or just dumping it off. And that that means Michael Thomas might actually replicate some of his target share from last year. Not all of it, but a good chunk of it. And that Kamara will be good. But I don't think you can trust Traycon Smith at all, even though he had five catches for 86 yards in this game. Or Emmanuel Sanders, who only had one catch for 18 yards. I think Sanders is um, really scary if you own him right now in fantasy leagues. And we'll talk a little bit more about him later. But I, I'm really concerned about this Saints offense going forward as far as how it's going to produce on an NFL level and whether or not you can trust anyone not named Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara going forward, including Drew Brees. Whether you can trust him will be an open question for a while. Well, I mean, he likes to go back on offensive things that he says, so you probably can't trust him very much. <laughs> um, I have Waller. I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. I'm just, I'll just say it. I tried to tell you about Waller. I tried to. But you didn't listen. You did. You were saying, I like I said, I just, I, that's, that's one spot where I think I had seen too many projections that weren't my own going against what seemed kind of obvious that the, you know, that a tight end that got like hundred targets last year should be a top three tight end. And I didn't do it. And it's, it's a regret. I still don't know that I would have had him in that many leagues. Uh, just I was targeting was him. Drafted, but, but yeah, but clearly targeting him would have been a good idea. Let, let Kittle and Kelsey go by in round two, round three, target Waller in round four or early round five and just soak up all that profit. All right. Our next segment, new segment, ready for this? Stars and scrubs of the week. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> uh, so we both picked, nice. Uh, nice. we both picked some stars and some scrubs. Uh, for the week, it's just to help us continue to move interestingly through these games. Um, so, Brian, who were your stars this week? I believe we each only picked one star oh, yeah. and one scrub this but, week. But, I mean, who who yeah. benefited from your star? Yeah, so my star of the week is the number six overall pick in the draft, rookie quarterback Justin Herbert of the Chargers. 
Who? I just want to paint this picture here. He is, yeah, Steve said who, because he was on no one's fantasy radar because he was firmly entrenched as a backup to Tyrod Taylor. The Chargers faced the Chiefs, one of the top three, maybe top two teams in the league, as most people would say, and didn't know he was going to play, let alone start, until about an hour before the game when Tyrod Taylor had some chest issues. It sounds like maybe trouble breathing. Uh, some complications from a bruised rib. We still don't have a lot of details. Uh, but it was announced well after the game started that Tyrod Taylor was officially out, and Justin Herbert was a surprise start. And all he did was go into his first start in the league against one of the top teams in the league and throw for 311 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and rushed four times for 18 yards and a touchdown. He looked phenomenal for a rookie. Um, as good as Joe Burrow looked on Thursday night, I think Justin Herbert looked just as good, maybe even a tad better. Uh, totally looked like he belonged, and I expect he'll be the starter going forward. Those, the Chargers have not officially announced that yet. I, I don't know how you don't start your sixth overall pick and QB of the future after a performance like this. Now, He's not going to be a must-add or, or must-start in fantasy. There's just too many good quarterbacks, and you're not going to rely on a rookie um, this quickly after he did admittedly extremely well, but against a mediocre defense. But what I was really encouraged by is how much he did for the playmakers on that offense. We were worried about Austin Eckler not getting pass, you know, passes thrown his way. Well, he got four catches for 55 yards in this game to go along with 16 carries and 93 yards. Keenan Allen got back on track, had seven catches for 96 yards. Hunter Henry had a great game, six catches, 93 yards. I think Justin Herbert elevates this offense, and that's why he's my fantasy star of the week, because he made an entire team of fantasy stars better, and that is not something that a lot of people do, especially in their debut game. Gross. Um, okay. I don't know why you went that direction with it. He didn't. Li he looked scared out there. <laughs> Um, oh, I, I don't think so, but I think so you're my, in the minority on that. But if you want to be, go ahead. My star of the week is a throwback to when you were wrong and how you're usually wrong. Um, is Stefan Diggs. Diggsy, baby. I told you. I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. Uh, last week he had some, he had like eight catches for like 90 yards or something like that, which is great. You know, he didn't get a touchdown. He didn't break out, but he had a really solid game. Uh, especially for where you drafted him. If you give me like 17, 18 points out of my number two or three wide receiver, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, but this week he got the same. He got a decent amount of targets, maybe one or two more. I can't remember how many targets he got last week. But um, he had 13 he targets. like eight or nine a week ago. Well, then he caught him. He got all. a lot more targets this week. Yeah. So he got 13 targets this week, eight catches for 153 yards and one touchdown. Stefan Diggs. This is, this is not an anomaly. Josh Allen doesn't care. Like, Josh Allen isn't sitting back there listening to Mike Zimmer say, "Oh, oh I think I think we should run. We it's it's the fourth quarter. We got to establish the run. We're down. We're down really far. We got to establish the run." Josh Allen isn't isn't sitting back there and listening to that. Josh Allen is. I'm going to chuck the ball for 417 yards and four touchdowns, and just who cares? My receivers are good, and. I, 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 told, I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. Okay, tell so you. let me start by saying I agree with you. The Bills wide receivers, namely Stephon Diggs and John Brown, are very good. 
I agree. Josh Allen has looked phenomenal. And I love that the Bills have retooled their offense to make use of their weapons and are going with three, four wide receivers on the field as much as anyone and throwing the ball deep to a couple of really fast guys that are really good at contested catches. I love all that. And I am buying that Josh Allen has improved more than I'm not. That being said, I am not ready to anoint Josh Allen as a top three or four QB in this league or for fantasy, or Stephon Diggs is a top 10 wide receiver after the Bills played two of the worst defenses in the NFL in the Jets and the Dolphins. I don't expect those defenses to stop any quarterback ever, let alone one that can have huge games like Josh Allen as he's shown. And Stephon Diggs has done this his whole career as well. He has huge games, and then he can go quiet for a few games. I love both these players. I think they're tremendously fun to watch. But I'm not buying that they are significantly better than where you drafted them as of right now. For example, I don't buy at all that Josh Allen's thrown for 5,000 yards or 35 touchdowns. I think he's going to settle in back around 4,400 4,500 yards, which would still be really good and will still be, you know, better than you were expecting, but still only like 25 touchdowns max. And Stephon Diggs will fall in line with what he always does, 60, 70 catches, you know, around 1,000 yards, maybe 1,100 yards. I I think they're on track for that, but let's not get overhyped after they literally played two of the worst three defenses in the NFL. Uh, It doesn't look like anyone really has a good defense, so... (laughs) No, I'm not there, worried. There are some other teams. Yeah, there there are some other teams that aren't great, but uh, it looks like there's we'll bad see. offenses out there. But it doesn't look like there's really very good defenses. So, I, I'm not concerned no, at all. I think you're right. I haven't seen a lockdown, and and on your side too. I will admit, uh, the Bills play in the same division as the Jets and the Dolphins, so they get to play those two teams one more time again this year. So. There's always that. Like I said, I, I'm buying these players more than I'm not. I'm just not ready to predict that Stephon Diggs is suddenly a top five wide receiver and Josh Allen's the QB one for the rest of the year. Like they're, That's the level they're playing at through two weeks. I'm, I'm not buying that going forward. There's going to be some regression. Uh, wrong. That's okay, though. It's okay. You can be wrong <laughs> okay. again, and I can just, we can do another callback. Okay. Um, all right. I, I do love how the theme of this podcast is just trying to call everything I got wrong as opposed to anything I got right. Well, you know, it's it's hard to find, you know, it's hard to find the right stuff. Just just saying. I mean, you could have made James Conner your star of the week after a hundred over a hundred yards rushing uh, and a touchdown. You mean the, great. the junk the junk times six points that I got from him in <laughs> one run? He looked good. He's got he's got the workhorse roll back for that team. So. Like I said, I agree, but he wasn't super effective. Um, he averaged oh, like six yards a carry. What are you talking because about? Because of that one sixty-yard run at the end when they were running out the clock. All, all running backs do that. Like you, you can't just say take out take out all his good runs and then he was terrible. Like everyone does that. Every you know every twenty-plus yard run drastically pulls up an average. But anyway, let's let's keep moving. Let's talk about our scrubs, shall we? Uh, yes, yeah, scrubs. I'll go first. Um, Brian's homeboy, uh, Brian's number one pick this year, uh, Will Fuller. Um, I think when you meant to make him like the, your number one overall pick, you meant number zero because he's a zero. But Brian, will he go from zero to hero? 
I mean, I'm worried now. So first of all, he wasn't my number one overall pick. He wasn't even in my top five rounds. He was a, a guy I like to target around late round five, maybe, but like round six and seven. In what, like an eight-team league? In a 10 or 12-team league. In a standard league, that's where he was going. He was going like number 80 overall. I was taking him, you know, in the 50s. And yes, Will Fuller had zero catches for zero yards on zero targets. He did get a carry for zero yards, and he wound up with the fantastic 0.0 fantasy points this week. But he got hurt, and I know he was he finished the game. He was out there for the bulk of the snaps. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Hold he on a second. He treated the whole time. For wait, 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 wait. Will Fuller got hurt? I know it's shocking. In week two? That never happens. He didn't get hurt in week one, so it's a win. Uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it just seems Will Fuller's legs and specifically his hamstrings don't agree with his career decision of being an NFL wide receiver and refuse to let him do it because he's hurt again. I, I definitely am concerned just because of his injury history and how this seems to be a recurring theme for him of having soft tissue injuries every year. This We knew this going in. This was practiced. Uh, priced into his draft value if he didn't wasn't an injury risk he would have been a top 20 wide receiver Uh, that being said I definitely have concerns about him and we'll have to see you know and monitor closely what his practice status is before we can decide what to do with him in the coming weeks yeah he's a zero in my in, in my league it didn't matter I still got over 150 points getting a zero from him and not starting a defense um, so tell me about your scrubs, Brian. So my scrub is another wide receiver that was kind of a mid round flyer, a guy people had some, hype oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, before we started this, I should have been like, no, I don't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy that can't get no love from me. Hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride, trying to holler at me. Go ahead. Sorry. And now we're going to get sued. Uh-uh. I didn't we play the actual penny. thing. <laughs> if we make a penny off this, now we've got to give it away to Destiny's Child. Destiny's Beyonce Child? Kid. Oh, my God. Did you just seriously say Destiny's Child? Oh, that's right. Never mind. <laughs> say it. Say the right band. Say Soul it. Pepper, right? Oh, my God. No. Oh, no. I, I'll give you a hint. Song? I'll give you a hint. Ready? I don't remember. I'm old. Don't man. go chasing waterfalls. Yeah, I know, but then I I know that's the same people that sing that song. But now I'm forgetting. TLC. There you go. Okay. Oh, there you go. That was bad. I have I have no excuses. I'm old. I forget things. Okay, boomer. Who are your scrubs? <laughs> uh, my scrub is AJ Green, who. Didn't get injured, question mark, in this game, but certainly didn't look like himself and had just three catches for 29 yards on 13 targets. 13 targets is just ridiculous. He hasn't done anything through two games and just didn't look like he could get any separation and didn't manage anything in a game where his quarterback threw for 316 yards and three touchdowns. A.J. Green is not doing what he should given the amount of work he's getting. And it's really concerning to me. 
And a lot, some of this is on Joe Burrow. Like, I get it. There were videos going around Twitter showing how so many of A.J. Green's, um, or at least how many pass attempts going A.J. Green's way weren't catchable in the eyes of some people. But I also didn't see A.J. Green getting any separation against bad cornerbacks or making any highlight reel worthy plays or attempts at catching those passes. He just doesn't seem to be on the same page with his quarterback, doesn't seem to have the explosiveness he used to have. And he's just been flat out terrible so far. And there's like, I normally, if you told me a guy got 13 targets, I wouldn't really care about anything else. Like I'm going to keep playing that, that person because of that workload. But AJ green has me, another guy that has me really concerned and I won't be starting him anytime soon. But Brian, but Brian, what about air yards? I know air yards are all the rage, and I'm sure AJ Green is among the league leaders in those because he gets fairly deep passes thrown his way, and he gets a lot of them apparently, but he doesn't catch any of them. So, what good do air yards do if you can't connect with your quarterback? And yeah, it's concerning. I see you I have an honorable mention. Yeah, I have to give an honorable mention here. Um, the only, he would have been my scrub, but he's just he's not fantasy relevant anyway, except in two quarter deep two quarterback leagues, and that's Kirk Cousins. No one was starting him anyway, but he went eleven of twenty six for one hundred thirteen yards, zero touchdowns, and three freaking interceptions. Cousins the, terrible on Sunday. Is that the thirty three million dollar man? Yep, that's $33 million man, which I, I hate when people talk about his contracts. Like, he's, what, like the 10th highest paid quarterback in the NFL, and that's just because a bunch of quarterbacks in the NFL are on rookie contracts. So I, I'm not worried about that. It's But he looked terrible on Sunday, by far his worst game, and as a Viking, probably his worst game of his career. Uh, the Vikings are they're garbage. They're hot. They're a hot mess. There's, they're tanking for Trevor, I think. So, But hopefully Kirk Cousins can do better going forward. Um, I think he will, mainly because I think people have a short memory. And last year, after two games, Stefan Diggs was throwing an S-fit, and Kirk Cousins looked like hot garbage as well. Um, and then they bounced back. I mean, they almost lost to Washington, remember? Oh, yeah, I, I, I get that. But, but, again, Cousins never looked this bad. Like, normally Cousins, he's bad because he doesn't make the big plays when they're needed. In this game, he just made bad plays. Like, two of those picks were just terrible throws. One, I don't know, was totally his fault, but the other two were, were just terrible. And he's keen on Adam Thielen and seemingly not even looking at the other re- receivers at all. It's it's just bad. Let's move on. I, 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 can't, I can't talk about the Vikings anymore. Do you want to talk about Kirk Cousins' dad? I have no idea what happened with Kirk Cousins' dad. Oh, you did it? No. <laughs> Well, okay, I'm going to say it and then we're going to move on, even though <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Um, so Kirk Cousins' dad, I don't know who is interviewing this person or why he's why he's relevant to any sort of news uh, at all. But he had said that the devil, like like hell, devil, <laughs> um, you know, the, the guy, the red guy with horns, super muscular. Yes, we, we get it, um, the devil, yeah. <laughs> the devil is responsible for the Black Lives Matter protests. <laughs> well, that explains some of Kurt Cousins' statements over the summer about some other topics. So, anyway, yeah, let's move on before I start. All right, here we go. Ready? Favorite NFL team anymore. 
New segment. Another new segment. Segment after segment These are after all segment. New segments. Yes. Uh, well, what, 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 what else? Now it's time for Steve. You can introduce it like that. Or, or all right, something. ready? Come on, put some hype in it. The the segment. This new segment is called Garage. Like so, like a place where you keep nice cars or other stuff, chest freezer or golf clubs, um, or garbage, a place where you keep bad players and Brian's fantasy teams. Um, so I'm going to read Brian's intro. Ready? Like any good men, we understand the need to hang on to things that really should just be tossed in the trash. Here, we will cover some underperforming players and whether they should be kept in the garage for now, so basically on your bench, or tossed in the garbage slash dropped or traded. First up, A... Okay, no, hold on. First of all, how dare you? Um, And second of all, this was your segment you came up with. And these intros are for you to use as a host, as a guide. You don't need to read them word for word. Come on now. I I didn't read it word for word. I, I added like a word or two in there. There you go. A. J. Green. Brian, garage or garbage? I am reluctantly storing A.J. Green in the back of my garage. Um, For two, Nate, we the two said, words. Give me two words. Why? Targets. 22 no. targets. That's more than two words. Air yards, Brian. Air yards. No, no. He he's like we already say he's been terrible. We talked about this past game, but over the first two games, eight eight catches, eighty yards, and twenty two targets. That's tied for the fifth most targets in the league with Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs, and DJ Moore. And all of them have at least two times as many fantasy points. Actually, I think Moore has two times as many fantasy points as AJ Green, sixteen and change. Diggs has three times, and Ridley I think has four times as many fantasy points. So that's the reason I'm storing AJ Green in my garage is uh, the kind of volume he's getting is elite and he should be scoring a lot more if he catches like even half of these targets. I agree. I agree. Put him in the back of the garage just like up on one of the, you know, homemade shelves, you know, just maybe maybe use him in the in the future in the pe- maybe try and take him out after he's had a good game when you really needed him and then he'll let you down again. That's, I think that's what you should do. Yeah, you know, he'll come by, have a good game, you know, seven catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown, something like that. A good but not great game. And and you'll dust him off, remember that you want to play him, and then he'll come back down to earth, and you can put him back in the garage for the rest of the year. All right, I'll go first on the next one. Tom Brady, Steven, garage or garbage? Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking me that, Steven. You're such a good host. Um, Tom Brady is hot garbage. Not the kind of I don't want to I don't want to put him in like a regular garbage can that's like dry with bags and 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 everything. I want to put him into a garbage can where nobody put bags in had any bags. They just dumped it in there, and there's no ventilation. Okay, and it just and it's, it's out in the sun and it just bakes and bakes and bakes and there's flies and maggots and it just if you if you open it up ever the waft of air that you get is so rancid that you almost faint or throw up. That's the garbage that Tom Brady should go in. I mean, that's harsh. I thought we were being harsh just by, I was going to say, I agree he should go in the garbage. I thought that was going to be harsh enough for this podcast, and you took it to a whole new level. So, so yeah, I don't know how to 
now you've made me want to defend Tom Brady, and I don't want to do that. Uh, Tom Brady was drafted as the the 10th overall QB on Yahoo and ESPN leagues, and right now he's the 23rd ranked fantasy quarterback in the NFL. He's been just super mediocre, and it seems like everyone's trying to make excuses for him because he's Tom Brady, talking about how a couple players dropped possible touchdowns, and he could have had more yards and maybe another touchdown last weekend. I just don't care. He he doesn't look good. He doesn't look elite. And there's no way I'm keeping him on my roster when I can pick up guys like Ben Roethlisberger, who's very similarly skilled and still gets you 20 points a game like clockwork. Or, you know, even better, you can pick up uh, Ryan Tannehill, who's been phenomenal through two weeks and was phenomenal all last season. I mean, there's just there's better QBs on the waiver wire, and there's no need to hang on to Tom Brady at this point. Uh, Brian, you're up first. Todd Gurley, garage or garbage? So this is a tough one because of where you drafted Todd Gurley. You probably don't have a much better option, but he's gotten you just 117 yards on 35 carries this year. That's only 3.3 yards per carry, just abysmal. And he only has one catch, excuse me, two catches for a total of one yard on five total targets through two games. And this is with his team scoring 64 points in two contests. He has just not been good. He's not efficient at all. He doesn't seem to have any explosiveness, and he's not using the passing game. And I'm really concerned about him, even though he's tied for the six most rushing attempts in the NFL. Although, granted, a lot of that might be due to the fact that so many running backs have been injured. Not many starters have made it through two full games. But... I have huge concerns about Todd Gurley. If you can stick him in your garage, I would do so. I would start guys like James Robinson over him. I would probably start Miles Gaskin over him, just to name some guy, some fringe guys that have been picked up on waivers so far this season. And if I could trade Todd Gurley for any starting running back, I would jump all over it. Um, I, I agree there. Um, putting him in your lineup, like it gives your lineup really – it lowers the floor of your lineup and it doesn't really give you much of a ceiling. They don't seem to need him in the offense. And I think that's what they prefer. I think they prefer to not need Todd Gurley, um, to be a good running back just to, just to exist. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not counting on him for anything. I, I think it's worse than that. I think they don't trust him. Like all like they're giving him a lot of carries. I get that. Yeah, I mean they're giving him a lot of carries, but I think they just do that because NFL teams, in their minds, NFL teams should run the ball one of the three downs when they're going for a first down. Like I, I don't have any other reason why they would do that because they don't seem to give him any high leverage carries. They aren't throwing the ball to him, and this is a team that historically, you know, the last five years has been throwing a ton of balls to their running back. So. Yeah, it's it's really concerning, and given that we were on Todd Gurley as uh, when he's healthy, he should be pretty good. But he is, you know, apparently healthy as far as everyone knows, and he's not any good. So now you have a really risk-prone running back, injury risk-prone running back, who's not performing when healthy. So yeah, he's he's a total mess. Like I said, you're probably not dropping him, so he's garage technically, but. He's garbage as far as his do, play on. Do the they field. ever play the Vikings, the Falcons? Uh, yes. So maybe maybe so. stash him until a Vikings game. If he doesn't go off there, then just drop him. 
<laughs> that, that could be said for a lot of players in this league. Just wait till they play the Vikings. All right, my turn. Uh, garage or garbage, T.Y. Hilton. Um, I would say, uh, like I said in the preseason, that I don't understand why people are high on T.Y. Hilton at all other than the fact that he is a name that people know and Philip Rivers is a name that people know. And magically two names together is supposed to do something special. And I said, I said that as like, I don't, I don't see it. T.Y. Hilton hasn't been good. He's been injury prone and I, I don't buy it. And I would say garbage. I don't think, I think if someone picks him up, he may have one good week, like over the next like five weeks. And then, um, he'd just be garbage the rest of the time. Not even like flex worthy. Yeah, I kind of agree. And this is, this is one of my miss. This is a miss. Unlike Will Fuller, Will, I, I will really take it and own it. I was one of those people that was kind of high on T.Y., uh, but he's got seven catches for 81 yards on 14 targets through two games, and he's played two of the bottom five pass defenses in the NFL in Jacksonville and Minnesota. So it's not like you can say, wait till he gets a good matchup. He's had them and done nothing with them. This is on top of the fact that Paris Campbell got hurt in the first drive of the Colts game on Sunday against the Vikings and TY still didn't get any extra attention. I don't trust him at all because of his name. And because he was drafted so early, I would try to hang on to him and wait till he has on your bench and wait till he has a big game and then just try to trade him for whatever you can get. That would be my strategy. But otherwise, if you need the roster space, if you've got a small bench, he is totally a guy that you can put in the garbage. I actually would disagree for uh, for that. I think drop him because when when you drop him, uh, it opens up a roster spot on your team, obviously. And there's lots of it seems like every week now, people that ha- are on the waiver wire even doesn't even really matter how big your team the the um, league is. People on the waiver wire are becoming more and more relevant. And so if you put someone like T. Y. Hilton on the waiver wire. You know, next week when he's available, um, somebody may target him over the person that you want, and you may have another opportunity to get someone more relevant than T.Y. Hilton if you drop him than if you stash him. Yeah, you could maybe do that. I, I, I prefer to wait. I mean, I think you might even be able to get someone like Deontay Johnson for the Steelers, who's basically been their wide receiver one so far through two weeks. For T.Y. straight up in a trade, you might be able to get that Why? right now. Who would do that? People that don't really know fancy. There's give, given okay. the, the owner. You should beat them I, anyway. You should, but but that's the thing. Like I, I don't know. It's always hard, and I I hate that I even said that. But get, given the ownership percentages you see on like ESPN and Yahoo, averaged across all their leagues, and some of these questions and and waiver wire guys that you see articles written about, it it just blows my mind that there are these leagues out there where apparently no one in the entire league watches football. And they don't know what they're doing. But I'm just saying, I, I think from a less experienced player or for someone who doesn't follow fantasy football as closely, you could probably trade T.Y. Hilton for someone decent just because of his name. But you're going to, unless he has his one big game soon, you're going to run out of time to do that very quickly. All right, let's move on. Uh, to your turn, boy, your best call Jordan of, Howard, the week of the year. Garage. Or garbage, garbage. This is this is the this is one oh. of two guys on this list that just absolutely unequivocally drop. 
Okay, I see. I see. So you're you just want to throw away two touchdowns like you did in DFS this week. Yes, I want to throw away two touchdowns <laughs> that he got with just 13 carries, which he only got 11 yards. Like fine. and two Jordan touchdowns. Ho- Jordan Howard can vulture a touchdown every week. He still isn't valuable. Like it, it just doesn't matter to me. There's just no upside here whatsoever. Seven points, which is what actually he gets you like six points a game, six and a half points a game. He's averaging his one touchdown in five yards. That's reliable. That's that's nothing. That's that's in a, in a twenty team league that wouldn't be good enough to play in a flex spot, let alone a, a standard league. It's he is the third running back on that depth chart. He's had the same number of touches of, as Matt Breida, but Breida has turned that into 62, 61 yards total as opposed to Howard's 11. And Miles Gaskin is the clear starter in this backfield with 16 carries for 86 yards rushing and 10 catches for 62 yards. Like Howard has no value whatsoever. I don't even see it happening if Gaskin gets injured. He's, he's just droppable. I will be dropping him this week if I can get one of the people I want off the waiver wire. All right, next up, my turn. Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he's gotten so far eight targets, four catches, 33 yards, and one touchdown. There's plenty. There are plenty of other um, wide receivers on the waiver wire in pretty much any league that will put up those numbers or better. So you can drop him. Yep, I totally agree. And I, I liked Sanders as a value in drafts. I didn't really over-target him, yeah, but if I he came agree. to me like in drafts, I was happy with it. But it's clear, as I said earlier when talking about the, the Raiders-Saints game, that Drew Brees and the Saints offense just focus on their stars. And so with Mike Thomas out, Emmanuel Sanders had his chance, and he did nothing. One catch, 18 yards on just three targets. And so he'll keep playing a lot of snaps and running a lot of routes, but he's just not going to be used in the offense in a meaningful way, and I just don't see how you can trust him. So, yeah, he's he's droppable. He's the other guy that's just I, – I'm dropping him this week. There's dozens of other players that I'd rather have on my team. Just looking – I'm in a 14- or 16-team league. I don't remember what it actually is. So on the uh, – what is the league, Brian? Is it 14 or 16? Our league is 14 teams. Okay, 14-team leagues. Uh, we've got Chase Claypool putting up more numbers, Traquan Smith putting up more numbers, uh, Russell Gage putting up more numbers, uh, Keelan Cole putting up more numbers. Like you can drop him for any of those no-name people, and they'll put up more numbers than Emmanuel Sanders. And that's a 14-team league, so drop him. I agree. All right, yep. new segment. Ain't no pain. Ain't no, no, ain't the no gain if you, unless you got the pain. Or, I don't know. Pain and gain. So this is our take on all the injuries around the league. Who's hurt and who stands to benefit from a fantasy perspective. Uh, if anyone stands to benefit. So like Cortland Sutton, who cares? I don't I don't care. I don't want anyone on the... on. Um, maybe Noah Fant. No, I don't even want Noah Fant. Uh, I don't oh, want I anyone want on the Broncos. Fan. When you could have had Jonu Smith? Let's just start there. I mean, yes. Noah Fan almost had as, as good of a fantasy week as Jonu Smith. Um, just one last touchdown, but and, and that matters. I get it. But you're not counting on any tight end to catch two touchdowns on a regular basis. I, I love Fan, especially if you're in Dynasty Leagues. I mean, he's one of my top tight ends for Dynasty. 
Um, I, I think he's right up there with the elite guys. What he's done through a year and a couple of games is on par with what guys like George Kittle did earlier in their careers. Um, and I like Jerry Judy a lot as kind of for his future prospects. But yeah, Cortland Sutton, so, you know, we we'll start there. You mentioned Steve. He's out for the year. He tore his ACL. You're going to hear that a lot in this segment. And yeah, I don't think it really especially benefits any Broncos wide receiver. Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, both rookies, will be their starters now, but you're not going to trust them, especially given that Drew Locke hurt his shoulders. He's out two to five weeks. But but this morning, breaking news is the Broncos have signed Blake Bortles. So, Ooh. Steve, did that change your mind? Uh, Blake the Snake Bortles? Bring back the snake reference in Denver? Blake the Snake? No? I like it. <laughs> Jake the Snake, that's a deep cut. I know. <laughs> uh, no, I don't care. Uh, I don't want anyone in Denver. I don't rely on them because I could see them have as having as many like relevant fantasy weeks as stinker weeks and i just i that's why i don't target teams like denver yeah i i think noah fant will be the the top target in that team and i like him a lot i i think given how much that offense is likely to struggle especially while drew lock is out that fan's going to slip down a, a notch or two from this so i don't think anyone benefits from sutton's injury but yeah i still like fant that's all i want to say all right, Saquon Barkley tore an ACL. Deion Lewis, I didn't watch it, but according to his numbers, he looked good. Yeah, and I mean, Deion Lewis has been good in his career. You know, when earlier, you know, very early in his career, several years ago now when he was a Patriot, he had some... Yeah, Tennessee like would disagree with you. He had like a good half a season where he was one of the best running backs in football from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, Tennessee would disagree, but they also... They never used him a ton. Tennessee, before Mike Vrabel got there, really didn't do a good job of making the best use of their running backs. I mean, they had Derrick Henry for a year or two and didn't do much with him until Vrabel decided to just give him the ball infinite times a game and see what happens, and good things happened. But yeah, so you have Deion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. They're both mainly pass-catching running backs at this point in their careers. And I don't love either one. I think if I... If I had Saquon Barkley, I'd take a shot on Deion Lewis probably, but I would want, if I didn't have Saquon Barkley, or if I had other options like getting Mike Davis or Antonio Gibson or James Robinson or really anyone else out there, I'd prefer that. Um, the one interesting note is that the Giants did bring in or are bringing in Devonta Freeman for a workout. If they sign Freeman... I think he's the top of the waiver priority right now and could be, could be a league winner for you this year. Uh, I, oh I don't God. think that, I don't think that's anywhere near the most likely outcome, but it's, if he gets, becomes the every down back and gets you 18 touches a game, he can be productive and that's can't be said for a lot of these other guys. You know, Mike Davis, I really like, but he's only going to play for a few weeks while McCaffrey's out. And like I said, Lewis and Gallman, I don't think either one is anything special and can handle a huge workload, so I think they split it most likely. I cannot wait to make you eat those words. <laughs> well, we'll see. Like I said, it, it all depends if Freeman so, gets signed. So there's Brian, Brian's advice. I would say take Deion Lewis and expect him to get surpassed by somebody in two or three games. I would expect Deion Lewis to be the reliable 
um, get the reliable workload for next game, maybe the game after that. And then after that, have it be someone else, whether it's Devonte Freeman or Wayne Gallman or just a combination. I think Deion Lewis would be reliable at first and then go away. Um, I think the main takeaway is the Giants rely more on the pass. Yeah. Give, uh, give a slight bump to their passing game. That's let's stick it. Let's stick with uh, the torn ACL. Uh, oh, wait, no, there isn't another torn ACL. I was going to stick with torn ACL category, like it's Jeopardy. Um, let's stick with the Well, you leg. could just talk about all the defensive players. I mean, the 49ers yeah, would like to have a word with you and, their, and MetLife Stadium's turf about the torn ACLs on their defense. But Christian yeah, McCaffrey. Running backs. High ankle sprain out four to six weeks. Those are hard to come back from even after four to six weeks. Uh, so Mike Davis, I would say yes. I have no idea who Trenton Cannon is. I'm just going based off the stat sheet uh, from after Christian McCaffrey went out. Yeah, so Trenton Cannon's the other running back on their depth chart right now, and he's not really in play. I only even made note of him because there were some times a couple of years ago for the Jets where he was the hot, trendy name in fantasy because people really thought he could do well after he did uh, you know, a good job in the preseason that year. And, and so he's flashed, but I don't think he's anything special. I think Mike Davis is better. It's just to point out the Panthers really don't have a lot of options here. So Davis will get most of the work. Like you said, Steve, high ankle sprains are very difficult to come back from. McCaffrey, though, has never missed a game, and he's really making it his priority to try to come back sooner than this. But I don't really see it. I'm a Christian McCaffrey owner in our league. I'm very concerned about him going forward, and I, you know, even on a per game basis, I'm not expecting him to be worth that number one overall pick anymore. Unfortunately for me. Uh, yeah, Raheem Mostert, Mostert the Boaster, sprained ACL, and MCL. Tevin Coleman sprained knee, sprained MCL. MCL. They're both knees. All right, they both have sprained knees. All right. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so Rohim Mostert, it's we don't know how long he's going to be out as of now. And Tevin Coleman, we've just heard multiple weeks, so it's not looking good for the 49ers. They've just been devastated by injuries. I think they have like their best seven people players are out for next week, or we're out in the Jets game. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even finish this game with a high ankle sprain. He's probably going to play just because quarterbacks can play through it if they need to. Uh, but for the running backs, it looks like Jarek McKinnon is going to be the starter, and Jeff Wilson Jr. will see some time on the field as well because Kyle Shanahan doesn't like to give all the running back touches to one person. I really like Jarek McKinnon. I really like him moving forward, especially now that those other two are out. Like, I I really want him. Although I he's like taken him. in our team, but in our league, but I yeah, like him. I like him a lot. Um, he's he's a fun guy to watch. I just don't know that he gets enough touches. I think this backfield reverts to the way it was at the beginning of last year, with obviously with Mostert and Coleman instead of McKinnon and Wilson, where each running back gets like 10 to 12 touches, and it's really hard to predict which one gets the goal line work, which one gets the big plays. And frankly, I have concerns about this team as a whole now, especially if Garoppolo misses time. Nick Mullins, the backup QB in San Francisco, is fine. But it's still a downgrade. So that's better than Garoppolo. <laughs> Possibly. No. Not better looking. He's, he's fine. No one's better looking, Steve. Come on now. There's a reason the Patriots drafted Garoppolo. They needed Duh. some more magazine covers. Oh, yeah. But I totally disagree but with I'm your take here. I'm concerned about this offense. I'm not I, concerned at all. 
Really? No, not at all. I think Jarek McKinnon fits right in there, and uh, he will be the target of, like you said, 10 to 12 touches a game. But I think he's going to get the touchdown looks, and I think he's going to get the touchdown looks in the air, not only just on the ground. And so, yeah, I I would be all in. Like, if this week Jarek McKinnon was still underpriced on DFS, I would definitely be playing him uh, this week. Oh, he, I mean, against the Giants, he definitely will deserve a very long look as a DFS play this week. Uh, just because I don't know, I don't actually know offhand what his price is yet, but I expect it's low because we didn't get confirmation that Mostert and Coleman were going to be out for the week until after pricing came out on DFS sites. But I just, I don't see how a team that could theoretically be throwing out its backup tight end, be without its number one receiver, be without its starting quarterback, be without its top two running backs, and be without three its three best defensive players, how they could continue to operate at the same level or with the same efficiency. That's what worries me. It's just is a, is a whole, this team has taken a huge step back because of injuries, and that will affect everybody. I would, um, I think this might actually be a good example of a trade. So, like, Jarek McKinnon will at some point drop in his fantasy value. Hit, this is probably going to be the peak these next couple of games. I would trade right now, like, uh, someone like Latavius Murray for Jarek McKinnon. Just so I could get, uh, who I, so what I believe in for these next couple of games at running back that I can plug, that I can plug in right away. That, that's just me. I think that would be a good it's, trade, actually. If you could convince the McKinnon owner to do that, I think that would be a good trade. Uh, uh, I, I, should you move on? We could. I, I was just. I don't think that's a realistic trade. I don't. I don't know who would do that. That make that trade if you own McKinnon. Why you trade for a guy that's barely gotten work? But, but yeah, let's move on. Because um, I think if you more, if less... you had McKinnon, you had him on your bench, and you weren't planning to play him for a while you had like better options at running back. So having someone like like trading McKinnon for someone you could stash on your bench that may become very fantasy relevant, I think might be might be something to be interested in. But maybe not too. I might be might be trying to take what I want from the deal. I'm not sure. Yeah, trying to wish wish a yeah. trade into existence. Yeah. I mean All right. that like I said that happens sometimes. Well let's move on. Tyrod Chest, no details yet. Justin Herbert will start. I guess that's good for his team, but I don't. I wasn't going to start Tyrod Taylor. I won't start Justin Herbert. No, Justin Herbert might be an interesting DFS play, but I, yeah, I just you know we just want to put this in there to cover everything. I do think Herbert starts going forward. By the way, I know, like we said, the Chargers haven't said anything definitive. The coach did. Anthony Lynn did say Tyrod Taylor's our starter as long as he's one hundred percent healthy. Well. You know, who in the NFL is 100% healthy, and I just, you just don't bench your sixth overall draft pick after he puts in a performance like that. So I think he's going to start for the rest of the year. It's unfortunate for Tyrod, who's now had this happen to him twice after the same thing happened with, um, oh my gosh, how am I, Baker Mayfield. I was just blanking on Baker Mayfield's first name there for a second for whatever reason. I, apparently he's a forgettable guy now. But this happened in Cleveland with Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield. So, you know, feel bad for Taylor, but it's Justin Herbert's team now. All right. Uh, Paris Campbell. I don't know who that is. I know, I know. He plays for the Indianapolis Colts, and he torched the Vikings. Is that right? No, because he got injured on their first drive. 
Oh, Harrison, okay. Smith, Harrison Smith tackled him and, and broke his knee. It, I don't know why, but we still haven't gotten a definitive answer of what exactly is wrong with his knee. I've heard everything from could play in a week or two to most likely out all year. I, I side on that. He's probably out for the entire year or at least a significant portion of it, but we don't know. And this is just another unfortunate injury for a young player who was came in with a lot of hype as a rookie. I think he was a second-round draft pick for the Colts. Dealt with injuries all year last year, really slowed him down, and now this year going to miss a ton of time with a knee injury. It's just unfortunate for him. Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman Jr., the second-round pick this year for the Colts, will get some more snaps and some more looks from Phillip Rivers, but I don't know that you're rushing out to grab either one of them. This this injury is just here because Paris Campbell looked like a good, promising young player, and we're not going to have him as an option, no. Okay, um, I would just say one thing on this is after watching the game, I did watch this game. Um, so uh, with the eye test, Michael Pittman actually looks good, uh, like a like a solid player, good hands. Um, I, I liked I liked watching him play, and I thought he he's one of those players I think will get better as the year goes on. But I don't trust Philip Rivers to get better as the year goes on, so. I don't know where that leaves you. <laughs> yeah, you you just took my reply from me. I was going to say, yeah, Michael Pittman looks really good. Unfortunately, Philip Rivers does not. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the problem for Pittman going forward. But I agree. I, I really like him, uh, and he was a guy I really liked in Dynasty in drafts this year. Uh, Will Fuller, hamstring. Yeah, right. I'm sure he had a hamstring. Um, Brandon Cooks and Ran- – the, uh, the only thing I'm interested about Randall Cobb would be uh, he catches touchdowns, but I don't think he's going to get much more of a workload. I think it's going to get mixed around. Maybe he gets one extra catch a game. I doubt it, though. Um, he'll maybe get more looks at, uh, for touchdowns. I think he's just he's too old. He's too old. I d- Benefits yeah, Brandon I just, Cooks. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, the big beneficiary is Brandon Cooks, but... But again, it's Will Fuller. It's it's a guy that was getting, you know, we expected to get, or I expect to get 10 targets a game. So that's 10 more targets to go around. I think most of those go to Cooks and a couple go to Cobb. Maybe a couple go to the tight ends. We'll have to see. And for Cooks, like, you're going to start him anyway, whether Will Fuller's playing or not. So I don't know. I don't think it really affects much. No, Uh-oh. but you could. You might want to trade for Brandon Cooks right now. No, no thanks. I don't believe in that team. Or that coach, or that organization. So no thank you. Or that state. Or that state, yes. The Lone Star can stay alone. Uh, Devontae Adams with the hamstring injury. Uh, all over the MVS train. I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. <laughs> you, you just knew that Devontae Adams was going to get hurt? No, I knew that MVS was going to be good all year. I mean, he got you. he's gotten you over nine points in the first two games. Like, that's better than people projected him, and I think he's going to get better as the year goes on, whether Devontae Adams plays or not. I still prefer the Alan Lazard side of this debate, mainly just because MVS has some problems with drops, and I think that bugs Aaron Rodgers just a little bit too much for me to really trust that MVS is going to get a huge workload week in and week out. Uh, but he's definitely the higher upside guy. I mean, he's the Packers' big player receiver, so he will have his good games for sure. All right. Um, let's move on to the Thursday night football preview. Dolphins at Jaguars. The Jaguars are a three-point favorite. The over-under is 47.5 points. Uh, apparently, Gardner Minshew uh, is good. I I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Um, Fitzmagic 
uh, comes back with a he played well last game, right against the Bills. Yeah, he was fit, he was Fitzmagic again. I mean, they didn't yeah. win, and so it wasn't true Fitzmagic, but he wasn't terrible either. Uh, what do you think, Robinson versus Gaskin? Give me Robinson. Uh, I agree with that. Give me Robinson. But I, I think the bigger question here is, I think these are two running backs that are going way under the radar right now for fantasy. Uh, Robinson's getting a ton of work, and I think he's a must-start player. And Gaskin is not even owned in a majority of leagues, and I think that's just criminal. He definitely needs to be owned, and I think he is a very high-end flex. And he How about we say rostered? Better. Rostered. That was better. I like that. He, he really should be rostered in all leagues, uh, given his role, especially in the passing game for Miami. And so, yeah, these are just two under-the-radar guys I really like, especially in DFS this week. So I, I have already started looking at uh, the showdown slates, especially on DraftKings. And Robinson and Gaskin aren't really showing up in projections, but I think they're priced pretty cheap, and I think they're going to be really good plays uh, for the showdown slate this Thursday night. I... Much prefer Robinson on my team in DFS or season long over Gaskin. I don't trust. Uh, I I feel like the Dolphins are kind of like the Lions. They never really actually establish the run. Um, they have a lot of promising uh, players on their team that that they could establish the run with, but they just never do it. And I think the Jaguars are a team, or have been in the past at least, a team that can establish the run. So I prefer Robinson. I, I definitely agree in season long, uh, but for DFS, it depends on price and all that. But, but yeah, I, I generally agree with the take. But I've got a question for you, Steve. Is this going to be our first terrible Thursday night game? Because we've had two pretty good ones so far, at least entertaining Wait. games so far this season. Um, yes, but first, no. This is going to be our third terrible Thursday night game. The last game, two Ohio teams... I don't like it's terrible because I have no desire to watch it. Like I don't care. I, I'm two teams from Ohio, the state of Ohio. I mean, it's like, better I can't, than two teams from Florida. Uh, uh, I mean, it's close. It's close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Not interested. I'm not going to watch it. Dolphin. I actually, I might watch it if for some reason, if if the game flow of my day <laughs> leads me <laughs> leads me to turn on the TV and have it on in the background, then then maybe I will watch it. But I'm not going to be like, oh, the game's on. Got turned on. Yeah, if you're already two, three beers in, and there's nothing else on TV, and you sit on the Minimum. couch, you might watch it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I'm still just so happy that there's something on, t- like some sport to watch on TV that I care about, that I'll, I will still watch this game. Uh, not so much I'm also trying to work on my uh, DraftKings showdown slate DFS game, and so I'll be playing some of this like, this game again. But I, I kind of, I enjoy watching Gardner Minshew. I think he's a fun young quarterback to watch, and I do think he, he it looks like he might be the real deal. Like, might be a long-term QB in this league. And no. the Jaguars might have lucked out. No. He looks like uh, Baker Mayfield in his first year. I I disagree, but we'll we'll see. 
Minshew's gunslinger likes to throw it a lot. We'll throw interceptions. We'll throw touchdowns. And then people project him higher, and then he lets you down. He's going to be the next Baker Mayfield. I disagree. See, I disagree completely. Nothing in his profile says that. He's been a very efficient kind of game manager that that has shown flashes, I think, of higher upside. I kind of think he is right now what Ryan Tannehill started to become last year in Tennessee. I think they're very similar players right now, and Minshew obviously is quite a bit younger, which is why I really like his future potential we'll see he let me down last year so he's dead to me (laughs) fair enough uh let's see dfs showdown advice hi on that's not a real name that's not a person (laughs) yeah that's that's true thanks for yeah there's one other guy i wanted to mention uh for for dfs showdowns i really like uh lavisca chenault the Jaguars rookie wide receiver, they've been using him in a lot of creative ways, getting him screens, getting him just straight running back carries. And I think there's a lot of potential that although this game doesn't look fantastic on paper, it could shoot out, you know, the over under of 47 is decently high or at least higher than average. And so I think there's potential for Chanel to have a breakout game, uh, certainly at some point, but I think especially on Thursday night against a very bad Dolphins team because these really are two of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. Uh, and that will do it for our Week 2 Recap Podcast. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of days with our Week 2 preview. You can check us out uh, in the meantime on Twitter at tryhardff. Um, on Twitter and also on the Daily Fantasy Weekly at dailyfantasyweekly.com, which is Brian's website, which now he has given me uh, editing rights to, and I'm starting to make it prettier. Um, so check us out, and we'll see you in a couple of days. I feel like I should say peace out or something. Later, dudes. <laughs>